Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hook up rolls on into the second hour of our five-hour Wednesday conversation. Normally, the uh, today would be the final day of the second month of the calendar, February 28th, but uh, not this year. 2024 is a leap year, so we'll have one more tomorrow. One more tomorrow. Nice. I like that. Black History Month deserves another day. Extra day. And one more day. Uh, started the show talking about uh, those who serve. We appreciate those. And I'll tell you who's serving this morning, Rob. While we're dealing with uh, the changing weather conditions out in West Texas, Amarillo area, they're dealing with serious brush fires oh, uh, in a bad way. Yeah. And they are not contained. I just saw this uh, tweet, Rod. This is not what you want to read on a uh, any morning, certainly this Wednesday morning. Texas wildfires outside Amarillo force Pantex nuclear weapons facility to pause operations. Oh, the fire near Pantex is oh, not no. contained. Oh, no. That's horrible. I don't know what that means, but that's not good. Pray for the people of Amarillo. Um, so, and this this wow. this is going to be a problem, what's going, gone on overnight, because the fire itself was, because the winds were blowing dry out of the, out of the south, mm-hmm. right, and blowing things up across the panhandle yeah. there into Oklahoma. Well, this new front that just moved through shifted everything. Everything's blowing from the, from the north now. Okay. So the, the fire is going to shift, mm-hmm. and it's not bringing any precipitation or much so it's not going to do much as far as rain so cross, fingers crossed for our yeah, friends in west texas uh, prayers with them uh that's yeah that's a, that's a horrible situation that to deal with big fires going on right now They're obviously with the shifting winds this is going to yeah we know about set up in central texas man because and you have a, a brother-in-law that was one time a, a fire jumper right yeah he's a smoke jumper smoke jumper yeah Ooh. yeah so that's it's dangerous work man they fly them around the country depending on where the fires are and just drop them into it Let's hope they get that thing contained and under control here shortly uh, or as quickly as they possibly can, but it's pretty massive right now uh, out there in West Texas. We have our eyes on that. Also had our eyes on West Texas last night out in Lubbock where the Longhorns handled their business. I don't know that many expected. uh, It wouldn't be shocking to see Texas win the game, but, man, to dominate the game the way they did was uh, was something to see for for sure for the Longhorns in this roller coaster of a season that they're having. Also talking NFL scouting combine, and uh, Rod's going to have his first rant of a – Wednesday, what are we ranting about this hour? Uh, we're talking to Combine. Combine. I mean, that's uh, the big topic of conversation. So we'll talk Combine, talk about some of the uh, the different positions and what uh, drills are overvalued and what drills are undervalued when it comes to uh, the NFL Combine and specific positions as it relates to specific positions. So we'll do that coming up in Rod's Rant. Good stuff. Uh, let's get to the other headlines, the trending topics to start this uh, Wednesday morning. Yeah, we start in Lubbock. Uh, Top Gun Reynolds and Lonequin will bring you the top news, and uh, it's the Texas men. They stared down that raucous road environment, delivered their strongest 40 minutes of basketball this season, and earned a critical 81-69 win at United Supermarkets Arena. Final meeting between Texas and Texas Tech as members of the Big 12. Building was absolutely supercharged last night, ready to send the hated horns back to Austin with one more loss on their way to the SEC. Uh, Texas, though, had other ideas. They found some grit from the opening tip and dominated the Red Raiders on both ends, quickly built a double-digit lead that ballooned to 24 at the half, 47-23. Contest was pretty much decided. That lead ballooned to 29 in the second half. Tech made a few runs, and then tempers flared halfway through the second half when Brock Cunningham Hip-checked Red Raider forward Darian Williams into the scorer's table while the two were chasing a loose ball. That led to a near melee. Order was restored. Cuttingham was ejected. Horns then ran out the clock from there and got out of Lubbock with a double-digit win. 
Dylan DeSue led all scorers with 21. Max Aismas broke out of his slump, added 18. They improved 18 and 10 on the year. 7 and 8 in Big 12 play. They'll be back at home on Saturday hosting Oklahoma State at Moody Center. Also in the Big 12 last night, how about top-ranked Houston? The Cougars roll past Cincinnati. A massive upset in Lawrence. That's where BYU went into Fog Allen Fieldhouse and snapped KU's 71-game home win streak against unranked opponents, 76-68. Norman tonight, the third-ranked Texas women are going to face a similar environment to the men. Last night, they square off with uh, their rivals from Oklahoma in what's the game of the year in the Big 12 on the women's side. Sooners are on top of the conference at 14-2. Texas winners of eight in a row are just a game back at 13-3. at game tips at six tonight. UFCU Dishfalk Field last night, 15th-ranked Longhorn baseball team closed out its eight-game homestand to start the year with a 15-4 demolition of St. John's. 7-1 Longhorns will now be in Houston this weekend for that Astros Foundation College Classic at Minute Maid Park. That starts Friday night. They'll take on third-ranked LSU. A return home next Tuesday, by the way, host seventh-ranked Texas A&M. Aggies improved to 8-0 last night with a win over Lamar. Another 0-3 night for the Texas Trio in the NBA. Spurs lost at Minnesota. Houston lost in OKC. And how about the heartbreaker for the Mavericks in Cleveland? P.J. Washington's uh, Luka Doncic's a steal and then an assist to P.J. Washington for a layup. Put the Mavericks up with 2.9 seconds to go. But Max Struess named a, nailed a 59-footer at the buzzer to give the Cavaliers a 121-119 win. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, the Longhorns put in, uh, the Longhorn men put an old biblical, Old Testament style butt whipping on tech. And uh, I think it is pretty safe to say after what transpired that Texas and Texas Tech won't play in a, I don't know if they'll play in any sport. Uh, in a regular season for the foreseeable future, decade plus or more. I mean, and I'm glad Texas, uh, on their way out, were able to spank Texas Tech because Texas Tech talked more trash than any other school, <laughs> any other uh, athletic program on Texas' way out. They had a lot to say about it, of course. Everything runs through Lubbock, and uh, we all know about the Big 12 commissioner and the joke that he made down there in Lubbock. Uh, here are the final games uh, that Texas sports have played against Texas Tech in the scores. Football, 57-7 win. Men's basketball, 81-69 win. Uh, volleyball, 3-0 win. And uh, women's basketball, they did get a 77-72 win. That was a little tighter, but still, they got the dub. <laughs> so uh, the, the finals games as Texas, you know, as a member of the Big 12, uh, at least they still got bragging rights on Tech. You don't want Tech to have bragging rights on you because they'll never let it die. Never. Well, without a doubt. And you're right. They'll never play. There's no reason to play Texas Tech again. No. And this isn't a – you know, I like a lot of friends who are Red Raiders. i got uh, friends with kids that are Red Texas Tech. That's it. But as far as Texas goes, we said earlier, when, when you're moving to the SEC, you're reclaiming some old rivals that will become your rivals on a year-by-year basis in A&M and Arkansas. You'll, you'll kindle new rivalries with teams in the SEC and – there's just no reason. And Lubbock's not easy to get to in the first place, and yeah. who the hell wants to go there? No incentive. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Getting, because now you'll have, you'll have all your old school rivals back. Yeah. Got A&M, you got Arkansas. Still got OU. LSU will probably spark up some stuff yeah. with you in the few years there in, obviously, in the SEC, just because you're a neighboring state, getting a lot of recruiting battles. I'm with you. It's, there's no reason for Texas to play Texas Tech. And remember, that was the, that was the talk that – Texas Tech thought there was an agreement in place, right, that CDC had made them some type of, uh, you know, back uh, backdoor deal or a backdoor promise, if you will, that they were going to end up playing. And CDC was like, no, that's not what happened at all. Well, I, and we CDC, discussed it, but I did not agree to it. <laughs> remember, CDC did, uh, did that town hall recently. 
and was asked about that. And he said, yeah. you know, I, I guess if they wanted to play here, um, we could consider that. We're not going there. Uh-uh. Crazy uh-uh. weird things happen down there in Lubbock and all the well, time. That's that's for Waco. That's for Fort Worth. I mean, it's for. Te- I mean, that's unfortunate, but that's what that's how it's going to play out. And yes, for Texas Tech fans, the, until last night, Texas Tech had kind of dominated the series with Texas in basketball the last ten meetings, including earlier this year. But the Longhorns get the final one and did it emphatically. Props to Rodney Terry and the staff for the changes they made and just he was ready to, to get that. I mean, you're watching the Kansas game, going, man, this is unwatchable. Where's mm-hmm. the where's the fight? Yeah, where's the grit here? Let's. I mean, this is too easy. They were ready. Uh, God, it might have helped BYU because Kansas, it came so easy against Texas on Saturday. It's like they I'd let their right guard down that. a little bit last yeah. night. Got beat by BYU at home. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they were a whole different team just, just with their intensity level, their defense, their focus on, you know, the, the rotations on defense were much crisper and much more on time. And, um, you know, they match up better with Tech. I think that's fair to say. I mean, Kansas is a, you know, Kansas as far as athletics go and, uh, but I, I came in on Monday talking about, you know, K.J. Adams can't go to his left. Why do you continue to let him go to his right? Yeah. I mean, this is just basic fundamental defense, guys. Uh, K.J. Adams can't continue to get the step and go right on you over and over again and get to the foul line or make a bucket. That's just, that's just want to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, don't, don't tell me it's not on the scouting report. <laughs> I'm sure they tell you. Should be. Uh, that's you guys. And so the players showed up last night. So Rodney Terry made some nice adjustments, I think, putting – Kendall Weaver back on the bench and bringing IT Horton on into the starting lineup to space the floor a little bit more. Uh, that allowed Max Acemis to get a little more space to move. And I thought the I, you know let, the telling the and instructing the guards to attack the basket. Well, yes, especially without the basket. The, I told you yesterday the big man with them, for them was hurt. He yep. was dealing with an injury. Warren Washington. And there was a significant difference in their rim protection numbers with him in the game 100%. and with him out of the game. And I think Texas did a good job of trying to exploit that. Attack that it. They should end up shooting yeah. 30 free throws. Um, Kendall Weaver was the most aggressive as usual, doing his, uh, his normal thing. Um, you know, I thought Max Acemus was more aggressive going to the basket last night. Even IT, IT Horton was going to the hoop. And uh, that, that, that forced the defense to collapse. It, it was just a really – I mean, to be up 47 to 23 at the half on the road – I think that speaks to what the ceiling of this team is. At the same time, they could turn around. They were, they were down 45 to 25 at halftime last week on Saturday. I mean, that's that's what, that's what this team is right now. Yeah, what team are you going to get? They're consistently inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the big question. But I, I will say that, you know, the, the fast start, I believe, helps this team. I think they got to get out to a fast start, whether that ends up with them playing with a lead, um, being a front runner. Um, I think, you know, it's tough for this specific team to dig themselves out of a hole and then go win the game in clutch time. Uh, they're at their best when they're off to a fast start. They play with more confidence. Uh, they play more aggressively uh, when they get a fast start. That's exactly what they had in this game. That was one of my keys yesterday. And then, of course, the guard play. Uh, your guard stepped up and played really well. Max Aismas, he you know, broke himself out of that funk that he was in for the last three games. Uh, he was fantastic in the first half early on. You got 34 points off the bench which is also big. Uh, I'm sure that's some of the adjustments, uh, lineup adjustments that uh, Rodney Terry made, but you got a nice spark off the bench. And, yeah, this team just played with a lot more energy. They played with toughness. And, yes, you know, Brock <laughs> Brock Cunningham, you know, he got ejected because he essentially tackled a uh, Texas Tech player with Darian Williams. But I, I will say this, I have no problem. Of course, I will admit that it was a dirty play, uh, and he should have got ejected. But I'll admit I have no problem with that foul by uh, Brock Cunningham. He was trying to send a message and trying to make a statement that just because we're up in this game, we're not letting up. 
that we're still going to be aggressive, that we're still going to play with toughness, physicality, and attitude. And they did. They played with all that. And they needed that in that environment. They'd win in that environment meek, and they'd win in that environment with a slow start. Man, that crowd would have stayed in the game the whole time. And it had it'd been a factor. They took that crowd out of the game pretty much. That crowd was frustrated early on. Well, and then they were ready to fight uh, halfway Yeah, because they knew the game was over early. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, that, that, that lead ballooned almost 30 early in the second half. Oh, and, man. Uh, the Brock, the Brock. Look, I'll just say this for Brock. I, I, I can't ever applaud a cheap shot. That was a cheap shot. It I mean, was. The, the, the Darren Williams is running to try. He's going to try to make a play on this ball. He's going to try to dive into the scorer's table and see if he can save it. Yeah. And next thing you know, he gets cross-checked uh, by Brock Cunningham. I mean, Dang that's it. and then for Brock to act like he, oh, I can't do that. Dang. Oh, I'm not allowed to do that on a basketball floor. <laughs> was that wrong? Was that wrong? Was that wrong? <laughs> Did I do that? <laughs> Did I do that? No, yeah. I, he's a villain. It's a heel. That's it's villain, a heel move. That's what villains do. But you know, it, you know, someone that the kid could have gotten hurt. I mean, the guy's not even looking. I mean, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a he's looking at the ball, trying to dive and, and make a play. Next thing you know, he gets decked. Um, you know, you know. I know a Longhorn fans are going to jump on. I, I can't support a cheap shot, but either way, it was a sim, sim, emblematic of the way they played the game last night, which is how they yeah. have to play. That's what I'm saying. I think they're not the most talented team. They've got to bring some tenacity yeah. to it if they're going to be a factor. That's exactly right. They got to have that 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 attitude that, and it, I think it it helps them be aggressive. I think it it helps them match the energy and intensity of the other team or the environment for that. I think it was more the environment last oh, night, yeah. not the team. I uh, you know I just they got to they, they need a brand of basketball and an identity, and it I can't just be. Dylan DeSchool scoring 20-plus no, and getting eight rebounds every night. Yeah, and, you know, but that you're up 15, you're in control of the game when that happens. I get it. Yeah. Uh, same time, that, that environment makes it feel like you're playing, kind of playing in a cage match here. And it's like, you know, when you're in a cage match, all's fair. You know, <laughs> they're throwing things at your bench, and the students are calling guys, you know, the P word and everything. Oh, Look, man. that's the environment. It's it char- when I say supercharged, yeah. it's supercharged. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to kind of respond to that, and they did. Uh, got you got Joey McGuire out there at the pregame getting everybody fired up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they all go home upset, you know, five days of camping out. Wow. And there's what you, do, there's what you go home with. I know. A hangover and a loss. It was such a – that was so tech. I mean, it, I, and I'm not – it's only tech, but, man, a lot of trash talk and just did not back it up at all. Uh-uh. I mean, they, they, same thing in football, right? There's a lot of trash talk in football about what they were going to do and everything runs through Lovick and, you know, talking about Texas and – how they, you know, they folded up and they were soft. And I told you they were gonna, you know, they were gonna fold. All, the, all that, all that stuff. And then they get beat fifty-seven to seven in the game. Even I was hyped up about that game. Like, all right, let's see if, uh, let's see what Tech's got to offer here. They've been talking a lot of trash. They must know something. You don't talk that much trash unless you know something. We talked about that. Remember the Iowa State? Was it Iowa State guard? Yeah. That was talking trash ball. about Devontae Sweat and Byron Murphy. We were like. He must. He must really know something. Maybe he. Maybe yep. they got and something in the store worked. for him. And then he got there and got mollywopped out there. This is funny. Somebody just Ugh. sent uh, sent me this. Brock Cunningham last night. It's a it's a video of Sergio Kendall decleating Taylor Potts in the, in the, <laughs> in the football game. That's what uh, it looked like. It looked like one of those big hits. Hey, uh, the, they, 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 like Cosby in the Cotton Bowl. It against, was. Get Lendy Holmes. It was a nice tackle. <laughs> it was an open field. That's it was a nice tackle. That's how you know he wasn't going for the ball. Oh yeah. He said we go for the ball. He got shoulder upside <laughs> up under his cage there yeah all right let's get rod's first rant we'll do more from the combine as well but uh, rod's got some good stuff right here rod's rant of the day is brought to you by apple leasing the easiest and safest way to get a new car any make any model click appleleasing.com and experience how easy it is i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore find out what happens when people stop being polite 
and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Bro, oh, you've got it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, now, um, I was reading an article, um, and this is from back in the day. We actually started with Football Outsiders, but uh, recently it was a sub-stack. Uh, from Kevin Cole. I'll give him credit. Um, And he's looking at the scouting combine from an analytical perspective, and it was quite interesting. Using the NFL's plus-minus metric, so just talking about how efficient a player is when they're out there, the plus-minus metric, how they affect the game in a positive or a negative way, and that pro football references approximate value. Um, looking at a player's kind of average approximate value. So he kind of combined those two metrics and then cross-reference them, if you will, with the, uh, with the combine drills and what players who performed well, all right, in their first, I think I believe it's their first contract that he's looking at here. From 2006 to 2020, he's looking at offensive players, all right, and where they were drafted and how they were acquired uh, uh, coming out of college. And what and their NFL careers so far, that first contract, I should say, the start of their career, the first contract, and how they performed, if they underperform or they outperformed that contract, and looking at the drills that they uh, excelled at in the combine and trying to find a trend, right? It, so what is the NFL value in the draft, right? What um, skill, what skill sets, and what traits do they value in the draft? And so we'll look at the combine from that perspective. But then what skill sets and what traits actually hold substantive value when these guys become players, right? And, and trying to figure out what is valued and what is overvalued, essentially, uh, via the NFL combine. And that's kind of what this, uh, this article is about, and it's really interesting. So he looked at all the offensive positions. Like I said, this is from 20, 2006 to 2020. And what he found is that at the running back position, take the running back position, there are certain traits that are overvalued, uh, certain uh, drills that are overvalued at the combine. He found that for running backs, these are the uh, overvalued drills or uh, traits. Uh, The 40 is overvalued. Uh, for running backs, uh, the weight of running backs seems overvalued. Uh, even their the first ten yard, the ten yards, first ten yards of the forty uh, yard dash overvalued. He said the the most undervalued trait for a running back, or at least the skill or the drill that is underrated the most, is actually the three cone drill. He said, believe three cone drill is the most important drill for running backs. And, every, and although the other drills are important to give you an all-around um, you know, view and they give you a well-rounded, uh, contextualized view of the player's skill set, that most of those are overvalued. If you look at the success that players have initially, uh, he says that the three-cone drill is probably what you should be looking at when in terms of running back, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, the three-cone drill for running backs shows you change direction, shows you agility. Uh, for those who don't know what three-cone is, three marker cones are placed uh, to form an L, 
essentially, with cones at the corner and at each end, five yards apart, and the player must, you know, weave throughout the cones, and you essentially have to run that L. Some people call it the L drill. Um, you have to run that L. It just shows you change direction, shows you agility, uh, shows you burst speed. Uh, so if you're looking at running backs, apparently the three-cone drill is the most uh, undervalued drill um, that you can use when looking at running backs. Uh, let's go to wide receiver. Uh, it says here in this piece that the overvalued uh, drills for wide receivers are the 40, but the 40 also has a lot of value, especially when you're looking at the 10-yard split for wide receivers. Uh, but if you're looking at wide receivers, the the overvalued qualities are arm length and weight also are overvalued for the wide receiver position. Um, it says the undervalued uh, aspects for wide receivers uh, may be the um, the. It says here the ten and the forty are still kind of undervalued, but the ten yard split is what you want to pay attention to of a wide receiver in the in the in the forty yard dash, not necessarily the forty itself. Uh, also goes on to say that the the broad jump and the vertical jump are undervalued when it comes to wide receiver. That's so your explosion, but. It talks about weight and size mattering a lot with wide receivers throughout the years. The weight and the size overall of a player uh, makes a big difference. And that's something also they track at the NFL Combine. Um, you know, wingspan, you know, arm length, hand size, all of that. And they're saying that plays a huge role evaluating wide receivers. Go to tight end. Um, tight end, the three-cone drill is undervalued and the shuttle drill is the uh, two of the most undervalued uh, aspects are skill sets, drills for tight ends. You want to look at the three cone. You want to look at the shuttle. Overvalued for um, overvalued for tight end is the broad jump. Uh, the forty they say overvalued for uh, for tight ends. Um, they claim that the hand size is also overvalued for the tight end position. That's not necessarily important, um, but they say the two things you want to look at: the shuttle and the three cone. Three cone probably works for for everybody. Um, they also say weight is really important for tight ends. To have a tight end at the right weight, one that's not too big, but you know, obviously you want him to be a downfield threat, but you also would like him to be able to match up against defensive ends and against D linemen if if you need them to uh, situationally offensive tackle this is the most intriguing one uh, because offensive tackle when it talks about the most under undervalued um, aspects of their skill sets and what drills are most undervalued it's damn near everything for offensive tackle uh, shuttle three cone vertical um, 40 uh, the uh, the arm length is also uh, undervalued and weight. Basically, they're telling you everything matters when it comes to choosing an offensive tackle. They said the only uh, overvalued drill in terms of evaluating offensive tackles is the broad jump. They said the broad jump is, oh, is way overvalued and the 40 for those guys is way overvalued. Everything else pretty much, and that 40 includes your 10-yard split, um, but everything else pretty much Weight, arm length, vertical, three cone, and shuttle, all are undervalued data points when it comes to evaluating your tackle. So tackle is the position that combines, based on this evaluation, probably combines the most athletic uh, traits <laughs> in terms of what you need to, to, to make up an athletic profile of a, of a player at that position, which is interesting because they – 
You know, they go up against really great athletes, and they got to carry a lot of weight at that frame and size and still be able to, to move and have agility. Uh, so that's, that, that was really interesting. Interior offensive lineman, the last one here, uh, says in t- for t- interior offensive lineman, the three-cone, the shuttle, and also the 40-yard dash are undervalued for interior offensive linemen, and mostly just because they have to pull. And they want to see if those guys can move when they uh, assign them to pull and get out in the open field and and lead a play or lead a screen. Um, that is one of the reasons they say actually the 10-yard split and the 40 for interior offensive linemen actually matters. Uh, the shuttle is undervalued. Um, the arm length and weight are overvalued, it says, for interior offensive linemen. There you go. Good stuff right there. Rod Babers in the rant. Uh, we got a lot uh, to get now. The combine, we'll be able to watch it on NFL Network starting That's tomorrow true. with the uh, on field drills. And uh, the big fellas lead it off tomorrow, including the biggest of the fellas, Tavondre Sweat, uh, and the defensive lineman, he and Byron Murphy. Jalen Ford needs a good combine. That'll be tomorrow, and we'll certainly be talking about it. Uh, we'll also hear from uh, the who's who at the combine, including the, uh, the general manager of the team with the number one pick in the draft, the Chicago Bears. The Bears. What are they going to do with Justin Fields? We'll also hear from Stephen Jones. Cowboys going all in this offseason. Uh, also some injury updates from uh, the team before. president. We'll get to all that coming coming back. We'll also get to some bullish or BS for the end of the hour. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Beavers, Hook'em Up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh, man, the... Uh, Longhorns deliver a uh, huge win. Delivered a big 40-minute performance last night, no doubt about it. Also, the Brock Cunningham conversation, a part of it, right? The big, big, I don't want that to overshadow how well the team played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a part of it. It was certainly a part of it. It was like, said, what, 10 minutes left in the game or something like that when they did it? Yeah, it says, E, you're a baseball guy. It's like a pitcher sending a message with a high and tight fastball. Or planning one on the hitter's backside. Cheap shot or part of the game? No, I thought last night was a cheap shot. I you can see Brock Cunningham sizing him up. He was not going for the ball. He was going to lay a blow. And, you know, that was that to me defines a cheap shot. Especially up 15 points, you're in control of the basketball game. Uh, I can't condone that. But at the same time, I understand what the, the cauldron they were playing in mm-hmm. and the emotions that were running. That's so exactly right. um, so the, I understand it. But at the same time, it is what it was. I mean, it was, it was unnecessary. And it could have led to a, more of a melee than it did. Yeah. Um, but either way, that's uh, – that's that's what intense basketball is all about sometimes, and uh, but then that's the and nature that's the of role, Brock Cunningham, and that's the role of Brock Cunningham. Yeah, that's his role. Well, I'm just gonna say, if that's you're a Longhorn fan, that's fine, and you love Brock Cunningham. Yeah. Don't don't say it wasn't a cheap shot. I mean, no, don't say you I, exactly. I know no, you're not. I'm just was, saying, it was definitely a cheap shot. 100. percent I just support um, it. As this texture says, I support the cheap shot. Says uh, <laughs> I, you could see his eyes eyeing him up. Uh, he certainly was a cheap shot, but I, as a Longhorn fan. I can quietly like it. See? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like V.Y. punching the dude in the strip club, did the horns down. It's like, V.Y., that is very irresponsible. You should not be putting your hands on other people, but I feel you. Yeah, baby. Street cred. Street cred. <laughs> All right, here it is, Rod. Uh, you just went through some, some combine numbers and statistics. I mean, the, the big stories coming out of the combine yesterday, um, you know, the, I thought as far as the big headlines go, the Raiders general manager, Tom Telesco, was adamant that, that uh, Devontae Adams will not be traded. Okay. Uh, he is a Raider. Uh, again, I believe half of what you hear this time of year. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, and none actually, of what you read, yeah, potentially. exactly right. But, you know, he said he was pretty adamant that he's a Raider. You know, he's brand new, right? He came in from the Chargers. And there's been talk that maybe Devontae Adams 
could be reunited with Aaron Rodgers in with the Jets. Oh, I don't know, but that, that's all. Do that? I don't know exactly. Um, so that was said. I mean, you know, everyone's saying the right thing. Saquon Barkley, you know, the general manager for the Giants said that they were, were hoping to bring him back, but you know, they're not going to franchise tag him, so they can actually do that. Also, obviously, the center of attention are the Chicago Bears. Rod, the Bears. they have the number one pick for the second straight year. Uh, last year, they acquired it by trading with the uh, – they traded it to the Carolina Panthers. Um, you know, they had – and they, they gave it up. They went back down to nine. Uh, so now they own the pick this year because of Carolina being the worst team in the league and uh, the pick they picked up last year. Uh, will they trade it? Here's Ryan Poles. He's the general manager. Listen to him. He's talking about Justin Fields. You hear a question from the media, and then we can kind of analyze what we, what we okay. hear here from the uh, man in charge of this decision. If you decide to draft a quarterback – what is your motivation to trade Justin before free agency starts, knowing that there might be a premium on that? Yeah, again, it just depends on what opportunities pop up. Um, I will say this. Um, I think you guys know me uh, well enough now. I do, if we go down that road, um, I want to do right by Justin as well. Uh, no one wants to live in gray. Um, I know that's uncomfortable. I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So uh, we'll gather the information. We'll move um, as quickly as possible. We're not going to be in a rush um, and see what presents itself and what's best for the organization. All right, so we, if we do move in that direction, which would be trading Justin Fields, we will try to do it quicker, sooner than later. Okay. Because so. I wouldn't want to live in the gray. He doesn't want to live in the gray. He wants certainty. We want certainty. So it really sounds like, Rod, to me, if the decision is we're taking Caleb Williams. Yep. Then let's trade Justin Fields sooner than later. Which means, what, before the draft? Maybe even right as free agency begins here in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Some are saying maybe even here at the Combine they'll, they'll – find a trade partner and do a deal if if the decision is made that Caleb Williams is our is our quarterback of the future Justin Fields is not uh that decision has to be made there's also the idea that they could keep Justin Fields and trade the pick okay that's stupid that's stupid that's stupid <laughs> that's stupid, that's stupid. That, but the bears do stupid stuff there was a report yesterday that the Steelers who have been linked to Justin Fields with Mike Tomlin have offered a second-round pick, their pick number 51, and maybe other picks in, in this year's draft. But the Bears want number 20 overall, their first-round pick, so that's where the negotiations they begin. Should, the, 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 the Pittsburgh Steelers should trade that second-round pick and try to get a low first-round pick, like a, a pick at the bottom of the first round there, a low first-round pick, to try to compromise. I wouldn't give them number 20 either. But I may give you, you know, 29, or I may give you 30. But I'm not giving you 20. That's too much value to give up for Justin Fields when Justin Fields hasn't proven necessarily he's worth that first-round pick. So I would give up uh, either a bottom uh, first-round pick, a low first-round pick, or you can trade him a second and then give him a second and a third or maybe two seconds, a second from this year and a second from next year. I'm not giving you a first. That's just out of principle for Justin Fields. I'm not doing it. I don't think he's worth the first-round pick. No, I'm, I mean – In my opinion. No. I'd go try to get one of these other QBs in if I was – For sure, and that's where the Russell Wilson name comes in, right? Would the Steelers be linked to Russell Wilson at some level? How much would he cost? How that's, much would Russell Wilson cost Yeah, that's you? a problem. And he's 35 years old. I mean, Justin Fields, whatever we think, he's still in his middle 20s. Yeah. And the ceiling is there. you got to draft another quarterback right after you get Russell Wilson. you still got to get another quarterback. He's a bridge now. Well, look, we know uh, Mike Tomlin's a high-level coach. I mean, can, can you build an offense around Jalen, uh, you know, Justin Fields that's similar to what Philadelphia has done with Jalen Hurts? Got can Arthur you, Smith there now. Got Arthur you? Smith now, who's a creative guy offensively. Uh, so we'll see that play out. There's Ryan Poles, GM. They're likely to take Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick. As far as Cowboys fans go, I mean, uh, you know, one of the big questions is, is for Stephen Jones yesterday was about the injuries. Uh, and this one is optimistic but then pessimistic that uh, – 
Um, that DeMarvion Overshone and Trayvon Diggs, of course, DeMarvion, the former Longhorn, are expected back for camp. They both are be, should be good to go to start next season. Trayvon Diggs, the Pro Bowl corner. Uh, DeMarvion, of course, the third-round pick in last year's draft who got hurt. But he stopped short on Leighton Vander Esch, whose neck injury has been considered to be career-threatening. Oh, wow. And the quote from Stephen Jones was, Leighton will speak to that. Oh, that's not good. Which I'm not speaking for him. That's it, not good. No. That that's doesn't sound optimistic, does it? That's not a good sign at all, no. Not for him to say. I'm going to let him speak on that. That usually means like it's personal for him. Um, we don't actually even know everything. Either they don't know everything that's going on or it is something that you think that, that, that I would offend this player if I revealed this very pertinent, sensitive information. Yes. And I don't want to do that. Well, uh, clearly Either. a player, if you know, you've, you've, your doctors have, have uh, diagnosed him and then he's going to seek – I don't know, second, opinion. second and third opinions and make a decision for himself. Um, but, yeah, if it's been rumored to be career-threatening and it's a neck, yeah, you don't you know, that's with, a decision he needs to make. Yeah, you don't mess with neck stuff like well, that. Well, let's hear from Stephen Jones. He was asked uh, by the media there in Indianapolis, do you think this team has a culture problem? Because, obviously, January has been the hill they can't climb. Uh, they're, they're 12-win seasons. They're winning divisions. Dak Prescott played great. But, obviously, we know what happened. It fell flat uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Here is uh, the question from, and the answer from Stephen Jones. That I think uh, you know, from the organization on down, we feel we feel good about our culture. You always want to be better. I will say that. I mean, if you're not, you know, if your results aren't winning the Super Bowl, I think everybody said, how do we, you know, how do you ultimately be the last guy standing? Uh, but I think overall, between you know, organizationally, between uh, you know, our coach, our, our personnel department. Like our leadership on our team's outstanding. So, you know, you're always going to have somebody who's, you know, going to say something, uh, you know, that's not, you know, that might be, hey, that's their particular thought process on why we may have come up short, but I don't think in general, personally, I don't think it's an issue. Okay. Personally, he says it's not an issue. All right. Um, yeah, I mean. Until proven otherwise, however. Yeah. I mean, culture can be so broad. It can mean so many different things. So maybe culture, as he defines it or interprets it, it's not a problem. Uh, but for others, in terms of their definition of culture, maybe they see it as an issue, um, you know, especially with accountability and, you know, Cowboys saying they were, or at least Demarcus Lawrence saying they were fatigued. You know, going into the playoffs, oh. like I, you know, is that a cultural thing? Players, like the, you know, the culture of players talking a lot, giving a lot of details about the intimate relationships uh, that take place within the Cowboys organization, and you know, Michael Parsons' podcast where he's going to tell everybody how he feels, and you got parents and the uh, family members of Cowboys players speaking out against other Cowboys players. It is, that's kind of, maybe that's the culture that people are talking about, that it may be a toxic culture that is limiting the Cowboys, you know, ability to be a championship contender. Um, because it, it does seem like they have a reality TV. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a reality TV culture with the Cowboys. They are the number one TV star on America's number one TV show. And I think that, I don't know, that it seems like Jerry's, you know, his affinity for being out in the spotlight, it has a affected, it's infected the rest of the team. <laughs> well, everybody, every cowboy wants to be that. And, and that's think, been like that for a while now yeah. with, the, with the, everybody having their own radio show. And this year, this is, I know my observation is, you know, they've had three very disappointing losses the last three Januaries. Um, gosh, two years ago, Jerry was seething. Remember, Jerry was just beyond himself because it was a home game. 
um, you know, they felt like they had that game. And, and, and Jared, it, then it got very quiet. And even last year, this year with the loss of the Packers and as, as embarrassing as it was to be down, give up 48 points at home and just be bad and really collapse in, in all phases. But now all you've heard is chatter. Yeah, a lot of talk. Family members are talking. Mm-hmm. Coaches are talking. Players now talking. I'll play it for you. Dan Quinn's now in Washington. He's talking about what went wrong. Um, you know, now players go to the Super Bowl. They're all talking. And Steven's talking. Micah's doing podcast talking about it. It's, it just seems, as you say, kind of reality TV of like, y'all just shut up and play. Yeah. Just, cool. <laughs> I mean, come on now. No, I really, it, it's like I said, I, I don't know if that's the reason I'm not losing games, but that's definitely not a, that's not a constructive culture to have. No. Where everybody's kind of voicing their, you know, their, their, their concerns and their criticisms and their displeasure, they're voicing that instead of talking about it among each other and talking about how to solve those issues. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe his definition of culture is just different than everybody else's. That's all. It's uh, the Cowboys. They, listen, they love the drama. And honestly, they, they continue to be ensconced in it <laughs> all the time. And it's not necessarily all about winning games for the Cowboys either. Well, it's, it's, it's that, that drama, I mean. Because yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, who knows? I mean, I, I feel like the window for this current group, as you talk about the windows, is closed. Uh, I don't know how you reopen it because uh, I think they have cap issues. Now, they can resolve them by going the credit card route and keep kicking these things down the road, restructure DAC, restructure you know, Zach Martin, restructure all the CD Lamb's going to get a new extension. Uh, but, you know, eventually you've got to pay that bill uh, mm-hmm. if, you, if you push credit cards too far. Uh, the Saints are dealing with that right now, right? The New Orleans Saints have been doing this, and they're in the worst straits of any team in the league right now. Cowboys are pushing that. But at some point, if you're going to do that, you've got to cash in. Yeah. You, you've got to mm-hmm. cash in. And this is the offseason where, boy, they're going to have holes to fill. You have to have a Tyron Smith decision to make. You've got to figure out. One of the things Stephen Jones did say yesterday is they, they have not given up on Mozzie Smith. They still think there's a bright future for their number one pick from a year ago. But, you know, that, that's great. But you, need a, you may need to draft another interior defensive lineman this year just to be sure. You need two. You know, you have no running backs right now. Uh, if Leighton Vander Esch is indeed career-threatening injury, you need linebackers. You do. You only had one linebacker play the whole season last yeah. year, and that was Demone Clark. Uh, so you, and you've got you know you got a, you got a new defensive coordinator, and you've got to figure out does the personnel you have line up with what he wants to do. They're just. I mean, the, the question the last couple of years has been, can they kick the door in in January? And they haven't been able to. Now they have real questions. Yeah. Roster-wise, cap-wise. Uh, how do we fill all these holes? We only have so many draft picks, and we, you know, we're only going to have so much free agent dollars to spend. Um, you know, so you know, that becomes my question. As you talk about the windows all the time, has their window closed, and, and can they crack it back open? I don't know. We'll see. It feels like they've been passed by the Lions, the Packers. Um, we know the 49ers were already ahead of them. What are the Eagles going to be? Because uh, that's the key. This is the last couple of years were the years to get it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the only way for them to extend their window would be, you know, Dax and – Dak's got to take his game to the next level in the postseason. I really, because at this point, now they could end up, you know, just hitting another home run, hitting home runs in the draft, right? With these, with young sure. players, which they do, um, they they draft really well. As probably as well as any team, um, you know, in the league, they they've been drafting really well. Um, but at this time, I I don't necessarily see where the Cowboys are going to take that leap other than Dak Prescott showing up in the postseason. Guys, they have nine All-Pros. Yeah. They got the – talent's not the issue. Nope. They got nine All-Pros. <laughs> we go look at the NFL awards. How many guys they have up for Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. Dak finished second in MVP voting. I mean, they <laughs> – talent is not the issue for the Cowboys. It's Culture. playing their best football – 
Exactly. You could you can you could go back to that, but them being able to play their best football on the biggest stages at the most important time of the season in the playoffs. We don't get the best product. We don't get the best version of the Cowboys in the postseason. We got the best version of the Packers in the postseason. Saw that. Best version of the Chiefs comes out in the postseason. Right? That that's you know, that's what you want to see. The best ver you want to see your team peaking at the right time. Cowboys don't peak at the right time. They, no, they don't. They don't peak. They don't. They're not peaking the postseason. They peak during the regular season. Yeah, it's always like week ten or eleven or twelve. We're all like, man, the Cowboys might be able to make some noise in the postseason. Nope. No. Yeah, we will no. look forward to uh, today. Today's the day where Tavondre Sweat uh, will step on the scale rod. Byron Murphy, yeah. the measurements, weigh-ins, all that kind of stuff, which will be important for T. T Sweat ahead of the uh, drills on field tomorrow. Uh, I did see this where, according to the Minnesota Vikings general manager. Uh, the idea of trading star receiver Justin Jefferson is not something that's once crossed my mind. Okay. So they're working on a deal for him. So, they got to figure out the Kirk Cousins conversation in Minnesota. Um, yeah, or if they – I thought they would think about trying to trade up in the draft to get a quarterback. That's what we talked about yesterday, that you could – That was the – like If you're going to lose Kirk Cousins and you don't have a quarterback, can you, you, can you, can you justify, justify signing Justin Jefferson to a mega contract without a quarterback? Or are you looking big picture and you think you can still get a quarterback – uh, we'll see. Uh, well, Justin Jefferson reportedly was waiting, too, because he wanted to wait to see uh, oh, 100%. If, what quarterback they signed before he agreed to a long-term deal that's with right. the Minnesota Vikings. Well, and now all the players know that the salary cap just went up $30 million, So, oh. Oh, yeah. oh really? Oh, Justin Jefferson go get paid go by get paid. Minnesota or by another team. The 100%. question is, who's going to be throwing him the football? Hey, we come back more on the Longhorns' uh, tussle in Lubbock last night in big win. Also, uh, preview that women's game tonight. Huge game in the Big 12 on the women's side. And we've got Bullish or BS coming next on Hook Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Papers, Hook Em Up, 1019, AM 1260, The Horn. Bullish or BS time. Longhorns were bullish last night in Lubbock. Their best 40 minutes of basketball all season long. Certainly best first half they've played this year. Up 24 at the half on the road in Lubbock. Quieted that raucous crowd. Oh, yeah. More on that coming up. Uh, Bullish or BS, though, National Pancake Day. Question, Rod and Ty, bullish on pancakes, and what is the best use of pancake? Is it just general pancakes, or is it like like using those like sandwich bread on like they do with some of these breakfast sandwiches no, now? Pancakes are good. You don't you don't need to you don't need to do anything to a pancake. If pancakes made the right way, plain pancake and syrup is the way to go for me. You gotta I'm get good syrup school. though. Yeah, exactly. You just got good syrup, and you know the key to a good pancake if you're making it a little cinnamon in there, a cinnamon in the batter. Like Trust brown me, sugar cinnamon too. in the batter. Well, that's not bad. That's Ooh, not bad. What are you, the that's Rolling Stones now? Brown sugar. I like that. Not bad. Okay. Uh, all right. Mm-hmm. National pancake. You know, and you, you kind of can't go wrong with even in that batter. Just mix in some chocolate chips. You know what I'm saying? See, that's what I'm saying. I don't need all that. That's that's not all that. Just a couple. I, I don't need all Every that. Once in a while, get a crunch of chocolate in there. Little blueberries and all that stuff. I, and I get I don't it. Need the fruit. All right. See, some people like that. They they want to jazz up their pancakes. I'm not. I don't need nothing on top of it. I don't need fruit or strawberries or some special jam or no, butter. No. I don't need, honestly, I don't even need butter. If my pancakes are made the right way, they probably got a little butter in there. They're made the right way. Key to pancakes is, uh, as you I'm said, good. you got to have the temperature the right heat, right? Because you want it to cook through but not get too. Yes. Too, too. That's, I always do a test pancake yeah, first. Yeah, you do. I do a test pancake first. Honestly, just to get the, 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 the skillet the right, the pan, yeah, to get it the right heat. Can't have it too hot. Yeah. And I'm trying to make restaurant-style pancakes. That's my thing lately. I'm trying to make them restaurant-style. There you go. Big and just nice and fluffy. Yeah, oh, cooked all the way through, oh, though. Oh, man. 
That's good. That's good stuff. Just syrup. Right there. When you say good syrup, Ty, what does that mean to you? Ooh. It's like good actual maple Ooh. syrup. Maple syrup, okay, like out, yeah. of, out of Vermont or something. Oh, yeah. Have you ever had honey syrup? Uh-uh. Oh, it's good. Like, right. Basically, the base of it is honey. Oh, man, it's so damn good. That's, that's legit. Um, okay, how about this? Bullish or BS? Uh, because there was a, there's, a, there's some mock drafts uh, that have come out for the NBA. Sure. Uh, NBA, and they, uh, apparently these latest mock drafts do not have uh, Bronny James, <laughs> uh, LeBron's son, being drafted in the first round. But LeBron James – has said several times that he wants to play with his son, that he intends on playing with his son. Um, and now there's talk that he is going to resign with the Lakers. He's going to sign, resign a contract extension with the Lakers, which probably means he's going to end his career with the Lakers. Here's the question. Will Bronny James be a Laker? Bronny James ain't going to play in the NBA. Yeah, I don't buy this. You don't think Bronny James is going to no, play in the did, NBA? Did you, okay, so I'm sure, you've seen, I'm sure you're talking about the, the tweets where he's like, lay off the kid or whatever. Have you yes, seen that? Yes, well – and then, it's, it, what that was based off a mock draft that came out, and he's not like he's, they took him out. They to took him out of the mock draft. Yes, exactly. And and, LeBron, and the people started teasing Bronny about it, and LeBron said, "You know, hey man, stop oh, teasing." Him. Okay, well, you you can tease him when LeBron last year was uh, he was you know tweeting on an off day, and I forget exactly what the tweet says, but to paraphrase, it was like uh, Bronny way better than all these bums I'd be watching on League Pass today. Like yeah. he's like, get I do him in remember the something like that. I do remember. It's like, all right, you can't like you can't say that and then be like, oh, it's a it's it's a process. Like you know, Bronny James, he, he's a good basketball player. I don't think it'll translate to the NBA necessarily. Yeah, and it can't. And 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 because LeBron is such a polar figure, we know where Ty stands on it. But I won't defend him on this either. If you're going to be tweeting about what you think about him a year and a half ago, you can't then get mad at the media for having an opinion about him too. Yeah. Uh, he's in the – because, again, it's one thing to be a helicopter parent. We've all been there. You're going to protect your kids at all costs. But at the same time, he's in the public space now. I mean, he, he's out there, and he's your son, and he plays basketball. It's like – I yeah. mean, it's immeasurable. It's impossible to live up to. But if he's going to play that sport, Rod, it's going to come with challenges, and LeBron's oh. got to just deal with it. Yeah. It's like Tiger Woods is going to deal with, with Charlie Woods. I mean, if, if Charlie Woods is going to play golf – and he goes out and shoots an 86. Got have a tougher skin. Even at 14, yeah, he's going to take some some pops. I mean, it just is what it is. If you choose to go down that road as a as a as a you know a, a, a child of a legend, that's going to be the role. We've seen it before. We saw Jack Nicklaus's son do it. We've seen uh, you know in all sports. You've seen you know, and and we've also seen him live up to it, right? To where they uh, well, rarely we've seen him live up to the greats of all time. Yeah. Uh, which is what they're trying to do. So yeah, LeBron needs to stay out of that and just let it let it be what it is. Not uh, stir the pot. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not going to support LeBron uh, going out there on social media <laughs> calling folks out even when he's the one that's been promoting and pumping up his son and saying he's going to play with his son. But I day. do not think he'll but ever I, play for this for the Lakers. Um, I I do think he'll play. I, I think I think you guys are underestimating the power of nepotism in this world. Number one, <laughs> and under, underestimating the power of LeBron. Now, will he get drafted in the first round or get drafted? Period. No, but will he? End up playing for the Lakers at one point. I think so. I, I even if it's like something for one season or whatever it is, or in some capacity in some G League pa- capacity or whatever. I think you're gonna see it just because LeBron wants it to be so. And the, there's a reason LeBron is signing a contract extension with the Lakers because I think the Lakers are willing to uh, capitulate <laughs> to whatever LeBron wants. So I, I I wouldn't. I'm not saying he's gonna get drafted high because that's irresponsible. But having him on the squad for a little while before they make a change or release him, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't doubt that the Lakers are the one that gave him a chance. 
Because, well, like I said, nepotism is powerful. Go look at the NFL right now. I get it. It's a powerful force of nature, man. It, it, if that it, happens, Kobe, it, Kobe's rolling over in his grave. Well, he's going over his grave anyway watching an All-Star game. If his beloved Lakers bring in LeBron James' son just because. Hey, man, they put up, they put up an NBA cup. All right, tournament title in that da- in that damn arena. I know. Yeah. And, and Kobe, trust me, Kobe Bryant wouldn't have liked that either because no, he's he saying wouldn't. only one banner needs to go up in this arena, and that's the championship banner. We the Lakers, damn it. Oh. Well, times are a-changing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that, that that organization is bigger than anybody, right? He's bigger than any one they star. Are. And so one star shouldn't be able to dictate that, hey, one of the great stars shouldn't be able to say, I want my kid to play. Even If, he's, if he earns it, great. If, if he's he good it, enough, great. absolutely. But yeah. at the same time, uh, this isn't uh, this isn't the, the you know promotional time here, uh, or yep. doing doing favors. Uh, yep. But either way, that is a good debate in bullish or BS. How about this? Ice football is a real thing now, Rod. Ice football, like well, football being played on ice no. in, in Germany. No, what is it's it? a hit apparently. See, I just I don't need y'all to jazz up my pancakes. I don't need y'all to jazz up my football either. My football is fine. Like grown men in helmets running around, like waddling around ice, trying to run on ice. Oh man! Indoor stadium ice football. No. Mm-mm. Bad idea. <laughs> no. I mean, the ground's hard enough. When you guys get tackled, you hear guys get, getting concussions because they their head hit the ground, yeah, and stuff like that. Or they get injuries because they hit the ground the wrong way. Now you're talking about ice, which is harder. I'm than, watching this video, there's I'm there's no I'm give out. to that surface. Well, you can't run fast. I mean, you can barely run. Dude, what you, kind of cleats do we have on this stuff? I'm looking here. Do you have like that? Might it looks? Just imagine like an arena football league field size in an arena on ice. No, and it it looks horrible. I'm out. Guy just tried to make a kick and just fell on his rear. Exactly. I mean, uh, come on now. Come on now. Exactly. How can if I? That's a hit. You're drinking too much. How can I showcase my speed and agility <laughs> out can't. there on the ice? Unless you got me in on some in ice skates or whatever. Got me on some blades. But then you turn into hockey. <laughs> and you're turning into some other sports. No, I'm good. I just saw a video, guys. Of uh, I guess it was the All Star break of Victor Wembanyama giving a hug to Shaq. I think that's probably the first time I've ever seen Shaq look small. That's unbelievable. Nah, that dude's a freak, man. Shaq, you mean he? Shaq looks looks tiny compared to this. Not like as far as size, width, one thing, but oh, the he's height. Just long. And just, I mean, just his the wingspan alone. He probably can double up. <laughs> he can wrap his arms around Shaq. You know, we talk about and still have arms to spare. You talk about minorities in countries and minorities. You, you know how many people in the United States are six foot two or taller? Ooh, percentage of people. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say six foot two tall. I'm gonna say seventeen percent. Less than four percent of Damn. people in the United States are six two or tall. That is shocking. I know it was a low <laughs> number, but I didn't know we was that short as a country. So, Damn. so can you imagine being like an NBA player? I mean, you're everybody. That's crazy. Less than four percent. I didn't know that. Are six two or tall? That includes sh- women, obviously. That is a shocking stat. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That is a shocking stat. Less than fifteen percent of men in the United States are six feet or taller. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. I was along the men's side, so I was close. Yeah, you to throw women, women in there. That's you throw very... women in there. Yeah, just a, but about men, yeah, it makes sense. I was thinking around 15 percent of men, about six two or taller. That makes sense. Yeah. Like you are, if you're seven five or like like those two, you are the outlier of the outliers. Oh, yeah, you're the top one. You're one percent, one percentile of, of height and that kind of stuff, God. a combination of height. And, and what I say, the Cam Newton thing is, those idiots, this dude is 6'5", 260. You know how I many human beings on the planet are that combination of weight and height? Not you. He's a Marvel character, dude. Not you. Come on. Why are you trying to fight that dude? You're insane. But it does let you know the combine, how freakish the combine is. Because 
They got damn near 85% of dudes there are 6'2 six, or, six or taller. Well, that's it's the thing. A, it's if you, a super. If you, if you, yeah, it's fine if you think the combine is silly, but to watch those big humans. Oh, man, move around. Move like that. Yeah. Like running. Oh. I mean, that's, that's impressive. 